Hour three, you better you bet, presented by Bet MGM. PJ Glasser, Mark Drumheller here with you on a Wednesday, filling in for Nick and Ken. We are still with you on stadium for the next hour up until six o'clock p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you join us. Watch stadium.com. You can also go to twitch.tv slash betql, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports, or listen to us on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. We're going to have two guests. Join us during this hour. Pat Boyle, host on uh, WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, going to join us at 5.20. And then Ben Wittenstein will join us as well, 5.40. NBA betting analyst over at Stadium and live on the line. Talk some NBA with Ben and with Pat. Talk some college hoops as well. Mark, we got game of the night, maybe game of the year in college basketball tonight with uh, IUPUI (laughs) in Detroit. Have you seen this? The own 2016 favorite by five and a half. I did. I did. What a night for college basketball, right? Everyone's going to be pumped up to watch Detroit, you know, hopefully get their first win, you know, hopefully get their first win. Big favorites here. You got to bite down when your mouthpiece deep, if you're going to lay points with a team that hasn't won yet, but I think it might be the right side. I'm sure we'll talk about that one a little later. We certainly will, Mark. What sicko would dare to bet Detroit in that game? We'll we'll talk about that later on in the show. Let's continue talking some college football, though. Let's talk about Alabama. They have the fourth best odds to win the national championship next year at plus 800. Obviously, no more Nick Saban. End of an era in Tuscaloosa. They're coming off their semifinal loss to Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Their schedule's pretty tough next year. Home against Georgia, at Oklahoma, at LSU, at Tennessee. Some tough games for uh, for Bama. Obviously, year one at Kellen DeBoer. Jalen Milrow is going to be back. They're going to have one of the best wide receivers in the country, who's a freshman, Ryan Williams, who I can't wait to watch. Lost some guys on defense, as you would imagine. Saban leaving. Uh, you know, some of those defensive guys are going to transfer out. But what are your thoughts on Bama year one after Nick Saban? Are you just completely staying away, wanting to see what they look like without Saban? I'm pretty confident in Kalen DeBoer. That, that's the key here. If it was, I think, any, I don't want to say any other coach, but the majority of the other names that were floating around there, um, I was not real confident would be able to come in and have an impact. But Kalen DeBoer has shown that he's able to win at any level he's been at. You know, what he's done at Washington was incredible, and it doesn't take him time to ramp up. Like, he hops in there, gets the job done. He has all the talent, all the resources at Alabama. So I don't think they're going to miss a beat. I, I don't want to say they're being undervalued because they have the fourth best odds to win the national championship, but I know a lot of people are jumping off the bus looking for ways to kind of play against them. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not, I'm not playing against Kalen DeBoer. I like to bet on Kalen DeBoer, make a lot of money. That's how things go. But I think Alabama is going to be just fine. You know, are they going to win the national championship? I don't know. I know the, the uh, bar is going to be high for Kalen DeBoer, but I think they're in great hands. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough because I agree with you. Everything on Kalen DeBoer, he is the guy that I most wanted Bama to hire. If it couldn't have been Lanning, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be DeBoer. Sark, Lanning, or DeBoer were the three that I wanted. So please with DeBoer. You said it, though. It's not only that he's won everywhere that he's gone, but he wins quickly. And whoever was going to take over for Nick Saban, Mark, as you know, the expectations were going to be impossible. But it was important to find a coach that was going to win quickly, right? Because the fans Mm -hmm. are used every single year to being in the playoff. They're used to 
going undefeated or losing one game in the regular season. So them losing like three, four games in a regular season, not used to that. So I think bringing in DeBoer is important. I think keeping Ryan Williams at in that program as their receiver is kind of their blue chip recruit was important. A lot, a lot of people have kind of compared that Ryan Williams to Kellen DeBoer could end up being what Julio was to Nick Saban. You know, Saban really didn't have too much success didn't really have too much experience kind of recruiting in the South before he came to Bama. And that was one of the big concerns that a lot of fans have with DeBoer. He's obviously been a guy who's been on the West Pacific Northwest, you know, out there in like big sky country and all that. Like, would he be able to recruit in the SEC? So I think getting a guy like Ryan Williams is key for him. Uh, But the schedule is just what concerns me for Bama because Mm -hmm. Even with Nick Saban there, these games are already going to be tough as is. And now with him out, like it's even going to be that much tougher. Tennessee is going to be really good this upcoming season. I know we'll dive into them in a little bit. LSU at Oklahoma, like all those games are going to be on the road. And then you got to play Georgia at home. You also get Wisconsin on the road too. So they got some tricky games. They got to play Missouri at home. Missouri's going to be a top 10 team this season. They got a Real nice good. squad coming back. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough schedule for Bama. Personally, I'm not doing anything with them yet because they're going to still have the Alabama tax next to their name, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though Saban's not there, it's still the fear of like Bama and the name brand that I think they might, the price maybe should be a little bit better. So I'm going to hold off on Bama. I will say recently they just lost Ryan Grubb and Scott Huff, the offensive line coach in the OC who were with DeBoer at Washington, they lost both of those guys to the Seahawks. So those are two big losses to maybe uh, keep an eye on as well. Oregon, you asked Denton Day about Oregon at 10-1. to 1. Denton loves the Ducks this mm-hmm. season. You said you're a big Dan Lanning guy. Do you like the Ducks a lot as well, Mark? Absolutely. I can't wait. And, you know, you bring in Dylan Gabriel – who I think it fits that offense even better than what we saw out of Bo Nix, right? Bo Nix had some limitations. Everyone talked to him about how he was like dumped down Bo Nix, and they talked about the screen passes and not being able to stretch the field vertically. Uh, I think Gabriel's aggressive enough to where they're going to do a lot of things. You know, he gets Tez Williams back. I, I think he's going to have plenty of weapons there. So I think Oregon's going to be even better than they were last year. I'm um, really excited to watch this team play. And just the culture that Dan Lanning is building, you know, with the Ducks is, is you know, rivals anyone in the country, what he's doing. So I, I think they're going to be even better this year. I love Oregon at this number at 10 to 1. I think it makes a ton of sense to dive in and grab them. Yeah, man, the Ducks, the Ducks are going to be good. And what's, uh, you know, what's key for them is they get Ohio State at home this season. So that's obviously mm-hmm. going to be big. They're at Michigan, but obviously Michigan's not going to have Harbaugh. And they play Washington, who no longer has Kellen DeBoer. So Washington's probably not going to be as good as maybe you had thought before DeBoer moved on. So the schedule is certainly favorable. The fact that they get Ohio State at home, like I certainly could see them you know, having some tiebreakers, and that could be a rematch in the Big Ten title game with Ohio State. I'm with you, though. The way that Lanning's building this program, he's bringing like a physicality to Oregon. They're so good on both lines of scrimmage. He's getting pro prospects and athletes at all the skill position. And now what he's doing with the quarterback room, like the fact that you got Dylan Gabriel to transfer over and Dante Moore, he's getting kids Mm -hmm. to buy into his program. So Oregon's in a good spot. 
obviously now in the era that we're in with NIL, having all that Nike money certainly helps, but uh, I'm with you. I think the Ducks are going to be very popular this year, especially at their price at 10 to 1, but uh, I I like Oregon. I think uh, they could have a really good season. What about Ole Miss at 11 to 1? A lot of talent returning. Jackson Dark comes back. Defense should be much better. Are you ready to get there, though, yet with a Lane Kiffin team? Like, do you think Ole Miss is, are they just like college football playoff good, or do you think they could be national championship good? I think they're college football playoff good, but that's really good. I mean, that's a huge, uh, you know, uh, feather in the cap for Lane Kiffin in a program that really doesn't have the the resources. The way he's able to recruit and the way he's able to win the report, the, the portal at Ole Miss, I think is tremendous. I thought when the Alabama job opened up, I know that, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, we don't want to see Lane Kiffin there. But if he was in a, a program that had, you know, better resources that Ole Miss had a better reach, you know, in the portal, uh, they would be really, really tough. I don't think they can win the national championship, but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch in the playoffs. Not sure what I think about Jackson Thor. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. I felt like he made some steps last year and then towards the end of the year, wasn't so sure, right? It was obviously a better season for him, but is he progressing, you know, the way that you expected to see PJ? Yeah, I'm not I'm not a Jackson Dark guy. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's overrated. You know, I think he's a good player, but they're getting priced at eleven to one, like thinking that Jackson Dart's gonna be a Heisman candidate, and I'm just I'm not there nah. at all. You know, I watch him play and I just in, in these big games, you know, like he didn't play good against Bama. And again, Bama's got a great defense and he didn't play well against yeah. Georgia and Georgia's got a good defense. And both of those teams are on the road, but for Ole Miss to get to that next step, right? They're going to need their quarterback to be the best player on the field. in most games, they're going to need him to carry them to these wins, right? Cause for Ole Miss to get over the hump mark, like, as you know, they're going to have to beat these teams that they haven't been able to beat forever, right? Like, if you want to win the SEC, you got to go through Bama. You got to go through Georgia. You got to win these games. I just don't think Jackson Dart is the quarterback to do that. So uh, I'm with you. I certainly think Ole Miss could make the college football playoff just because of how their schedule stacks up to some of these other SEC teams. But I think that's that's their ceiling. I don't think they're going to make it to the semis. I don't think they're going to make it to the title either. Yeah, I think the key for Ole Miss is when they're able to get a quarterback that allows Lane Kiffin to open up his bag without any kind of restrictions or any kind of limitations. And I feel like when I watch the Ole Miss offense with Jackson Dart, there are limitations. Like it feels like almost that Kiffin's trying to protect him at times, trying not to put him in situations where he could get himself in trouble. And if he had a quarterback that he could just let it rip with and really open up that playbook, I think they would be lethal. But they haven't been able to get that guy yet. And I think once they do, I think that's when you're really going to see the running Rebels take a huge step. Yeah, it's a really good point. What do you think life after Jaden Daniels is going to be in Baton Rouge for LSU? They're 16-1 to to win the title. That As great as that offense was last year, Mark, they could not stop anybody on defense. LSU overs were like the best bet in college football. Yeah. It was Iowa unders and LSU overs. That was the best bet. So what are you doing with LSU uh, this upcoming season? Not much. I I think that we'll see the offense take a step back, obviously, without Daniels. I think the defense will be better. I think they'll be around where they were, like competitive in the SEC, but not really a threat to kind of, you know, move forward in the national championship. It's going to be 
The most fascinating part about the college football season, I think, for me is, is, you know, we talk about Alabama and the changes that they've gone through and Milrow gets Ryan Williams. It really just matters more how you're playing at the end of the year, like we saw with Alabama last year because of the playoff system. It's now it's just you. the regular season is not as important. And if you have everything, as long as you have everything in motion, you know, turning by the time the playoffs comes around, you can you can make a move and, and you can get into the national championship where before you're much more dependent on how you performed early in the season, especially in the conference schedule after you got out of your non-con games. Uh, those early in-conference games were massive because you didn't want to dig yourself a hole. Um, and I, I think there's, for teams going through a lot of turnover change, you know, like in Alabama with the coaching staff, you know, like LSU with losing Daniels, um, if they can just tread water and, and and make it into the playoffs, I think you could see a jump. But I don't see it for LSU. I think that kind of more applies to an Alabama team. But that's the new landscape of college football, where you don't really need to be that dominant in the early part of the regular season. And it's really just a matter of you peaking at the right time when the playoffs start. Are you a fan of the uh, 12-team playoff? Were you pro-expansion when all these conversations were going on? Yes. There is a better. There's nothing I despise more than bowl games where nobody's playing, right? <laughs> like, like, why are we playing these games if none of the great players are playing? How are we supposed to handicap these games when there's players on the field that we never even saw or ever even heard of? So I couldn't stand what bowl games have become. And I think that this is the best solution to it, right? You get more teams playing more meaningful games and you figure out, you know, who's the best team. You get 12 teams, I think, is large enough to where you're going to get, um, you know, is the 12 team going to be competitive when they're playing, you know, the, the early games against the, the five seed or whatnot? Possibly not. I mean, the semifinal games weren't competitive. A lot of them weren't competitive. So that's definitely going yeah. to happen. But I think you give 12 teams a chance. You find out who the best team is. And I like it. I mean, I think, you know, listen, it's the NFL playoffs isn't always the best roster, you know, winning winning the Super Bowl. So I don't think if the college football crowns a champion that might not have been the strongest roster or the best team for the majority of the season, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I absolutely love it. I can't wait for the playoff. Mm -hmm. You know, in college football, just not all schedules, not all conferences are created equally, right? Like, it's just, it is what right. it is. Mm -hmm. The SEC this past year – was not the same league as the ACC, right? SEC was a way mm -hmm. better league. And it's just, you know, if you were fortunate like Clemson was for some of those years where you got to pick on some of those bottom teams in the ACC and you got a lot easier schedule, you got a easier route to the college football playoff with the 12-team kind of playoff allows for is some of these other conferences who have tougher schedules and play tougher games. It allows, like you said, they, the regular season in a sense doesn't mean as much. It still means something because you certainly have to win a certain amount of games. But I do think like those 6-11 matchups, right? Like that fifth best team in the ACC going up against maybe the second best team in the ACC potentially. Like I think that's going to be a really good game. Like I think, and what mm -hmm. I love about it is we can have some upsets early, but then I think the cream rises to the top eventually as we get later and Absolutely. later. We'll talk some more college football throughout the week here. You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. Pat Boyle, though, host on w, uh, WFAN and CBS Sports Radio, joins us next.